It's one of those fast days which no one really has a clue what's going on. And all we get out of it is the fact that we didn't eat for a day. If you're lucky. And in fact it's a very significant day and has great relevance to ourselves, our state of mind and our trajectory of our own personal growth into the future. And Asura Batavis didn't actually begin, the Taurus didn't begin on the 10th of Tavis. I'm going to read you from the the Slichos that we said today. So, not only do people not connect to Asura Batavis, like, no, no one longs for Asura Batavis to come. We don't even. <laughs> Not even longing, because I suppose it is quite sad, so you don't long for sadness, but no one... Sometimes, uh, for example, in Japanese culture, depression is held as a very positive attribute. There's something very, you know, there's something very beautiful about being depressed. Provided you can get yourself out of it. But there's, the moments of sadness aren't necessarily negative. Moments of sadness carry with them sometimes a deep, important connection. And just because it's not happy and, and, and jubilant doesn't mean it's bad. There can be tremendous value to sadness. So I'm not saying that one has to look forward to Asarabatavis, but the fact that it can be carries with it meaning is significant. So there's two things which generally, uh, until a person unveils what's beneath them, slichas generally people find extremely boring, and fast days people find boring. Not boring, but also irritating. Because we like eating. We like drinking. I certainly know that Avi Shalom loves his coffee in the mornings. Doesn't, but loves his cereal in the mornings. He imports it from Toronto. It's Canadian Cheerios. Um, but, but we find them irritating and we find the slickers boring. So I'd like to go through the slickers and help them to shed light on what happened over here. Let me recall the matzoik is another is a synonym for hard times, difficulties that occurred to me. There were three blows that I were dealt with this month. In other words, the month of Tavis it's not only what occurred today on the tenth of Tavis, there was also, as we'll see shortly, the 8th of Tavis, the 9th of Tavis, and finally the 10th of Tavis were a hat-trick of blows suffered by the Jewish people. Gidiani, Heniani, Hikiani. I was cut off, I was annulled, and I was hurt. Achato, Heliani, and now I feel exhausted by it. And now we go through what those sorrows were. They were as follows: Diachani vishmoina boy smolis viumonis. I was darkened on the eighth with my left, with the left and the right. Haloi, shloshtan kovati tanis. All three of the days, the eighth, the ninth, and the tenth were actually originally fast days and they were established as a, as a fast. Umelach Yavon and the Greek king Insani Lichtoev Das Yavonis 
he forced me to write literally translated the Greek law upon those that plow he placed a um, directing thing oh gosh no not always. those who again this is poetic sorry if you didn't notice this is poetic but poetically we're describing that on those that plow he directed them it's a reference to the following thing on the 8th of Tavis one of the greatest tragedies that could have ever occurred to the Jewish people occurred the Megillah the Gomorrah Megillah in Davtes says it was equivalent to the Cheta Eagle the sin of the golden calf that's how tragic that day was and the in Megillah's Tainis it says that on that day three days of darkness descended upon the world there was there was darkness which enveloped the world for three whole days because of the tragedy which occurred now the tragedy which occurred seemingly to us was not a tragedy and it's interesting in the Lashon of the Slichas the way the the author of the Slichas expresses it is the Greek king forced me to write down the Greek religion the Greek statute but in truth we're referring to Talmei HaMelech you spell it in English Ptolemy but you don't pronounce a T Talmei HaMelech Talmei the king the emperor the Greek the Greek emperor that insisted that it is a discussion whether it was three or seventy sages sit down and translate in individual rooms the Torah into Greek in order that their translations would be compared for consistency that's why they were separated and in order that they didn't try to bluff over what was being said in the text so the 70 sages wrote down and they translated the Torah into Greek and they made 13 changes miraculously they all made the same changes as a result of that occurrence darkness descended into the world it's compared to the day that the I, the idolatry of the golden calf was the golden calf was worshipped now it seems somewhat puzzling and also what's interesting is again the words of the author of the Slichas he describes this they were forced to write down the Greek statute or the Greek religion they weren't forced to write down Dat Yivanit they were forced to write down Torah Kedosha what's even more fascinating is in terms of linguistic beauty Greek was hailed by the sages themselves as the ultimate language of beauty to the degree that halachically speaking I don't know about the modern Greek language but the ancient Greek language was a viable means of writing down the holy works in other words a person could have a Sefer Torah which would be written in Greek and it would have the laws of Sefer Torah Mezuzot and Tfilin could be Greek imagine I wonder what the maybe the Shin would have been a Delta but but you could have a mezuzah written in Greek <coughs> the Kisvah Kodesh could be written in Greek and now writing down the Torah into Greek is considered writing down Greek law no it's writing down Torah in Greek what's the problem why the big fuss why the darkness why the comparison to the hate of the eagle are you following me that's a problem that's one thing which occurred 
The second which occurred on the 9th of Teves, the Slichus goes on. So we'll just leave that as an open-ended Shaila, which hopefully we'll address later on. I was broken, I was shocked. On the on the ninth of this month, my coat of glory was removed from me. The one that gives the wonderful words who Ezra Sofer, Ezra Sofer died. So what happened, the tragedy which happened on the 9th of Tammuz, on, of Teves, was Ezra Sofer died. Now Ezra was the very, very last of the prophets. He was also known as Malachi. Ezra was the last prophet, and with him prophecy came to an end. And as prophecy came to an end, that's when Alexander the Great became king of the Greek Empire and started the Greek Empire's rise to power. So the end of prophecy began the rise of the Greek civilization and that's occurred on the 9th of Tavis. According to a many other sources, also what occurred on the 9th of Tavis was the birth of Oisoi Ha'ish, that man, as he's referred to in the works of Chazal. Yeshu Ha'noitzri. In English people say Jesus was born on the 9th of Tavis, according to sources. He was born on the 9th of Tavis, which is also one of the tragedies that befell the Jewish people. And finally, on the 10th of Tavis, Nebuchadnezzar, many years prior to the other events which occurred in the te- period of the Second Temple, in the First Temple, Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. What we're going to find between all these three events, or say four events, the translation of the Torah into Greek, the death of Ezra Sofer, the birth of Yoshka Panda Lichtenjad Oitkatagin Viafet, and the <laughs> siege that was laid upon Jerusalem, all three contain within them a common theme. And the common theme that binds them together is represented and that's why that's m- the most significant because it's the most tangible representation of that idea is the notion of being besieged the idea of a siege is you take a particular location a city and you surround it and thereby you isolate it and prohibit the entrance and the exit of the people within and the supplies are now cut off in other words what a siege does is it constricts a given point until that point has no power to go beyond the narrow confines of the siege. The theme of these three days which come to a climax with the siege of Jerusalem is the idea of siege in the conceptual, in the prophetic, in the godly and in the earthly. The Torah was besieged on the 8th of Tavis. It was besieged meaning it was constricted to extremely limited parameters. Every language carries with it, apart from its own nuances in the phonetic pronunciation, what makes a language, how can you say that Greek was the most beautiful of all tongues? It doesn't refer to the phonetic pronunciation. 
Personally, it could be, I would find the sound of French more pleasing to the ear. Those are not real French words, just French sounds. And you, can, you can make French sound. The person who's French learns how to make, and people who are French, make, they, they mumble in French. Even though they don't make sounds, but you can make sounds which are, if you're French, which have no... <laughs> people in English can't, you can't do that, you have to be French to do that. So in terms of... I am not. Um, according to... The besieging of the language, or the beauty of the language, is not reflected in the phonetic pronunciation of the words. It refers to the... Like any beauty, is the balance of proportions and the relationship of objects in such a way that everything fits in with total harmony. There's a, a pleasingness that's the aesthetic beauty is when things all fit together with an exactitude and a perfect balance. If a person has studied art, one of the most important skills which is, try, which is attempted to be taught to the up-and-coming artist is the notion of creating a balanced composition. And then, of course, there's many machlekes in terms of how you would balance the composition. And in modern art, there's perhaps deliberate attempts to imbalance an op composition. But the point is that the aesthetic pleasure comes from the balance. This is true of art, this is true of music, this is true of any aesthetic pleasure is derived from the beauty of how the proportions are harmonious one with, an with another. The Greek language creates a harmony. In its conceptual expression of ideals, it has the capacity to present things with perfect harmony. As the entire Greek culture, the focus was on beauty, the focus was the presentation of the given, regardless of the medium, with the perfect proportions. The minute we enter into the world of proportions, we are also entering into the world of delineation of outer boundaries, and hence we become occupied by the finite. The aesthetic and the finite are completely interrelated because the only way you can begin to discuss and conceive of the notions of balance and harmony is when things have an end and a beginning point. And therefore, the entire approach to the beauty of the world seen within Greek culture was also tied into the fact that you didn't go beyond the narrow parameters of the harmony you could create by the beautiful delineation of the boundaries and the way the shapes were formed. And hence, the Greek translation of the Torah took out allowed the Torah itself to come under siege because in the language, in that mode of expression, you couldn't break the boundaries of the conceptual. You had to stay within the limit of, as the Ramban says, They denied that which their eyes could not see. The eye is the fundamental sense. The sense of sight is the aesthetic sense. If you read about how da Vinci, one of the great masters of the Renaissance, he describes the sight as the primary sense. In terms of the opposite, hearing is the primary sense. If a person is deafened, the person who causes him the damage has to pay his entirety. It's almost as if you've killed him, whereas if he's blinded, you pay the damage caused. Sight is not looked upon as the primary sense hearing is. But in the Greek world, sight was everything, because what you could see was, what you couldn't see wasn't. It denied the notion of their pursuit 
of beauty and even within the pursuit of knowledge it was also about balancing intellectually in the correct proportions but anything which broke out from those proportions was looked upon as heretic in their context. Mimela, automatically when the Torah was translated into Greek the entire infinite component was put under siege, was isolated and constricted and it became a work of Greek art a document that you could put into a museum and therefore it's appropriate that in the Slichot they were told to write a Greek religion because by translating the Torah into Greek they made it into a Grecified Torah Grecian Torah <laughs> Grecified is a Yiddish word <laughs> so that was the first siege that took place the second siege that took place is Ezra Sofer died Nevoah prophecy is the capacity to extend beyond the narrow parameters of your physical self and to access the spiritual world beyond with Ezra's death that came to an end the capacity to access directly and to have a, as it were a directive given directly from the Rebbeinah Shlodom the creator of all worlds came to an end the connecting point between us and the Creator was put under siege and the birth of Yoshka occurred at the same time because and it's actually you can it's, it's a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah the way Rashi explains it of course it's been edited by the census throughout the ages but Rashi explains that what Yoshka brought into the world was a notion of Elil Elil, the Yud Lamed ending of any Hebrew word, that suffix implies the smallest form. Whenever you double over, for example, an eight is a tree, an atzitz is a small tree, av is a father, aviv is a small father. Why that's called spring is a separate discussion. It is. An El is a god, an Elil is a small god. What Christianity did was it confined the notion of godliness and it gave it physical form. Hi, would you like a wafer and some wine? It gave it <laughs> physical form. That was the notion of godliness under besiege, the notion of the, the infinite, unbounded, absolutely beyond the description of language, notion of what the greatest were created was confined and constricted, and that was the besiege of godliness that occurred on the eighth, sorry, on the ninth of Tavis. On the tenth of Tavis, the idea of Yerushalayim was put under siege. Jerusalem is in fact also the harmony. The Gomorrah says there were ten level, levels of beauty which went into the world and Jerusalem took nine of them. So Jerusalem competes with beauty with Yavon, with the Greek, but one second with the Greeks. But that's impossible because the Greek's beauty is an inherent contradiction to that of the Jewish beauty of Jerusalem. So here we have to come up and expand our minds to a new notion of beauty. And that is just as there's harmony within the balance of the physical proportions of different objects, the ultimate beauty, 9 out of 10, the ultimate beauty if harmony can be created by the fusion of the spiritual and the physical. That's a level of aesthetic pleasure which completely blows our minds beyond the narrow parameters. Yushalayim is referred to the place where heavens and earth kiss. It's the fusion between the beautiful proportions which exist within the physical and the spiritual and as they are blended into a harmonious whole, Jerusalem shines out as beauty. And that was a beauty that was lost today. So therefore, these three days describe a siege that we have and that still surrounds us to this very day. 
and the only way to break out of that siege is like the tzitzis which decry the notion of the physical world bound by their four corners as the world has four corners to it in other words describing the flat dimension of space and the tzitzis pierce those boundaries and extend beyond it when we see that breaking of the boundaries of the normative parameters of our life that's when life begins that's when mitzvahs begins, uh, begin and that's when the siege that's befallen us can be broken so on this day called Asarabatevus we have to strive to break those boundaries in order that we should get a connection to the point of life which begins beyond where we think life 